0: Friend Joanne Jordan, we are missionaries to Sierra Leone and West Africa. Sierra Leone is about uh, has about six and six and a half million, close to seven million people it's about 65 percent islamic so i work with uh students in the bible school some of them whom are already pastors some of them uh, are beginning in ministry and then also we travel throughout the country conducting pastoral ministry seminars
1: and i partner with him in training children's ministries workers so he's doing the pastors and leaders i'm doing children's ministry workers at the same time
0: so what we seek to do is, is teach and train believers so we can reach the lost together for the glory of
1: God. And as we go throughout the country, people are hungry for God's Word and we need trained leaders, trained pastors who know God's Word and are strong in God's Word uh, to reach those in their, in their villages, in their communities, in, in the country as a large. And if we don't have trained people in places, we've got weak churches and we don't have people in place that can reach these lost people. And as we train pastors, as we train leaders, as we train children's ministry leaders, we're raising up in our children a generation that will know Christ, that will know and can carry that forward. The lost are coming to Christ because we have trained leaders in place.
0: There's so many villages that we travel into that there's a mosque, but there is no church for miles and miles. And so it's our heart to help this Sierra Leone church to duplicate itself and to reach out into those lost areas because those pastors are the ones that will truly make a difference in Sierra Leone. And so our job is to equip them, to help them to fulfill the call that God has on their lives.
1: If you'd like to connect with us, uh, feel free to contact us by email, find us on Facebook. We'd love to connect with you or you can check us out on our website. We
0: want to say three things to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for praying for us, for supporting us. We love that you guys are with us on our journey.
1: Your partnership is important and we couldn't be there doing what we're doing without you here doing what you're doing. And we thank you for that.
0: We're brand Joanne Jordan
1: that's us again. (laughs) It is so good to be here this morning. Uh, We go to a lot of different churches, and it was so nice to come in this morning and see faces we recognized (laughs) and uh, have people greeting us that actually knew us. And so thank you for that. We enjoyed coming to the Valentine dinner last night. I was telling uh, Pastor and Missy, this. I said, We don't go to Valentine dinners anymore because we're not connected really to a church that we attend on a regular basis because we're in a different church every week. And uh, I said it was so nice to not only come to a Valentine dinner, but to come and spend time with people we knew. And so thank you for that invitation. Thank you for, we enjoyed spending time with Pastor and Missy last night. And um, But thank you, thank you, thank you for having us this morning. Thank you for what you're doing here to make it possible for us to do what we're doing there. And uh, as I was talking in, in the video, that when we pass on um, to, to children, it passes it on to the next generation and they carry it forward. And I loved seeing the worship team this morning because, a lot of them were in the kids' church when I was the children's pastor here. They were in my kids' church. And so that was so exciting to see, that being carried being carried forward. And I'm proud of you for pursuing God with all your heart. And uh, I'm I'm excited, but I'm not going to get emotional. I, I refuse. I'm not going to do that. But um, I want you to lean over to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them. Give them a high five even. Tell them, I'm a part of what God is doing in Sierra Leone. As my husband, when he comes in just a few minutes, he's going to be sharing some stories about what God is doing there, some testimonies of some awesome things that he's doing. And when you give, when you pray for us, you're a part of what he's doing there. And when we, when we go, we represent Christ first, first all, but we also represent you. And when we go and we go and do and we share the gospel and when we do training seminars, when we do outreaches to children, when we do all those things, we are go representing you and Christ. And so you are a part of what God is doing in Sierra Leone. So I want you to feel a part of that. And as we would say in Sierra Leone, in Creole, tanky, tanky, tanky.
0: Amen. Thank you, darling. And uh, Thank God. It's so wonderful to be here today, and great to see you all. Again, thank you, Pastor, for having us and having us in your home at the uh, Valentine's. I don't want you to think we actually do Valentine's, but usually it's on our own. So, uh, yeah, Sierra Leone, it's, uh, uh, it's wonderful in Sierra Leone, but, you know, they don't actually have Thanksgiving, Valentine's. You know, they don't even have Fourth of July. Did you know that? So anyway, <laughs> but um, now I want to ask you, Brother Kevin, can you throw those slides? Can you send them back here as well so I can see what's happening without having to look? No? Okay. All right. All right. That's it. The, the, the sound man says he can't do it. It ain't happening. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, thank you guys so much, and we are really, really honored to be here. We'll turn to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to share with you guys from the Word of God just a little bit, and uh, as he's as you're turning there, uh, our, let me uh, share with you, uh, I think we got some pictures of our family as our next slide, um, and uh, yeah, so this is uh, Caleb, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, going to be 19 this year. So uh, he's going to college, Casey and, and uh, Kyle and our little grandson, Judah. We've got another grandchild on the way in July. We're really excited about that because we don't leave it to go back to Africa till August. So we get to see our grandbaby, our second one before we take off. And uh, we're so thankful to get to spend a little time here in the States and all have our family all on the same continent. And what was really cool last week, we actually got to see our whole family in one week. So that was exciting. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) but... um Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone, uh, our next slide shows you a picture of West Africa. Sierra Leone is in West Africa. Uh, They're on the coast. It's a small country of about six and a half to seven million people. It is a Muslim-majority nation. One of the cool things about Sierra Leone is that though we are Muslim-majority, we actually have the full freedom to preach the gospel all throughout that nation, And so it's really great, great time there. We have about 4% of our country that is born-again believers. Uh, but really, the, the, the depth of our country even further than the uh, issue of Islam, below that surface of Islam is our country really is a country based on witchcraft. There's a ton of secret societies and just all sorts of things that happens there. But uh, one of the things that we get to do is we get to share the gospel to teach, to train, to share the Word of God, and share the gospel that makes a difference in people's lives. Among the many projects uh, we've got going on, uh, our next slide shows you, I believe, our Bible school. Uh, It's located in Bow. It has a I say it's located, it's going to be located. It's kind of the south-central part of the country, and that's actually probably where we're going to go back to. We were in Freetown, the capital, but now we're going to be going to the center of the country. You can see some pictures uh, there. Uh, They're actually in construction right now, this week. They're still building. Uh, We're going to be building up until rainy season, which hits in about June or so. Um, and then hopefully we'll be doing some stuff inside. So this Bible school is so exciting because the Sierra Leone Assembly of God has set a goal. Over the next four years, they want to plant 250 brand new churches. Now, this is really an ambitious goal because we only actually only have about 120, 125 churches. So if we can at least even plant 200, we will basically almost triple, so it's a uh, an exciting time, and and we're going to be there working with this Bible school. So uh, pray for us, believe God with us. Our missionary partners, uh, Gaylord and Fredna Brown. You may have met the Browns. Uh, they are heading up that construction, and uh, they're not there right now, but they will be back. They are in the states for some medical issues. But um, anyway, well, let me tell you a story about one of the. Uh, uh, guys that I've interacted with, Abubakar. I met Abubakar. I was out doing some training. I'd come to a church, and uh, join. was going to do children's ministry training. I was going to do pastoral training and uh, working with Sunday school teachers, things like this. And as we came up to the church, uh, there was a house just right beside the church, right next door. And I saw a man outside on the porch. And as I saw him, something just spoke to my heart. And I, I waved at him and went over and began to talk to him and found out his name was Abubakar. And he was a lifelong Muslim. And I began to share the gospel with him. And I told him this. I said, hey, Abubakar. I'm going to be preaching in that church right there tomorrow. Why don't you come and, and hear me preach? I want you to be my guest. And uh, he said yes. Of course, uh, you would say yes in West Africa, regardless where you're going to do something or not, because you would never say no. So I really didn't think much when he said yes. I thought, man, he's probably not going to come. But believe it or not, I'm sitting there preaching the next day, and he was right there on the front row. And so I preached the gospel, I gave the altar call, nothing happened. After church, uh, I went and I shared the gospel with him again. And I told him, I said, hey, Abubakar, you need Jesus Christ. You see, he is the only way to heaven. And I began to share that gospel and make it really, really clear to him. And he said to me, he said, oh, no, I, I can't become a Christian. I said, you know what, Abubakar, don't wait, because you never know. You never know what God uh, will do, and you never know when your life will end. And so as we began to talk about that, I told him, I said, well, will he, will he let me pray for you. And so I prayed for him. I laid hands on him, and then we left and went back home. Darling, can you help me out today? She's done this for me a couple of times. I've got to step back can you help me out and begin to speak a little bit, and then I'm going to come back and join you? All
1: right. All right, boy, we've done this tag team only once before when he got sick, so that's, uh, but let me tell you about, in Mark chapter uh, 10, verses 13 through 16, Jesus begins, to, I'll let you give, give you a minute, but I'll give you a little history on the story. Jesus, Jesus was there, and the parents had heard about it, and they began to bring the children. I love this part of the story, by the way. This is really a cool part of the story. And so the parents began to bring their children to Jesus so he could bless them. And it says that when he was bringing them to Jesus, that his disciples, what did they do? They rebuked them. He said, no, no, don't, don't, said that when uh, the disciples pushed them away, he said, no, 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 get away from Jesus. And I'm sure what they were thinking in their head was that, oh, these kids, they are, they've been outside playing, they're dirty. You know how kids are. They like to feel your hair. They like to feel, they like to tell you stories that your parents wish they hadn't, that you hadn't said anything. And they were thinking all of these things because these, these children, they were not in their mind what, what, who should approach Jesus. And so as the, as the story goes on, it says that Jesus rebuked the disciples. He didn't rebuke the children. He didn't rebuke the parents. He rebuked the disciples. And he said, no, you let these little children come to me. And it says, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus blessed the children. And when in the story, it talks about how that Jesus, and I think when we see this story, it's talking about how big and open God's kingdom is. How big and open it is. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. There's nothing. It didn't matter who you are, what you've done. Come to me. My kingdom is big. My arms are open. And I will receive you. And Brent, my husband's going to share the rest of this story here about a book. But it didn't matter. God, it, he's taught that, that it's, it's huge. It's open. And anyone can come.
0: Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate it. Thank you for your graciousness. And uh, I tell you, unexpected things always. When you have missionaries, you never know. God wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. That's why I shared that gospel message with Abubakar that day, is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, when we encounter people, we need to remember just that thing my wife was saying, is that God's kingdom is open. Yes, we may see them and there may be some abrasion. We may think, "Uh, I don't like that part about that person or the way they're reacting about this or whatever it is in there that we see in them. But the really core issue we need to remember in our lives is that God loves that person and He wants to reach them through his love, through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the next story I want to turn to is in this same chapter, and it's Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. Now, this next story, I'll tell you about Muhammad in just a second. This story is kind of the opposite. Is if you had a coin, you have the head and you have the tail. Well, this first story we talked about with the children was about the openness of the kingdom, how that God loves everyone, and these children, they just came right up to Jesus. This story is a little bit different. It was a story of they're going on their way, and this man comes up to Jesus, and he falls on his knees. And he says, good teacher, He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the disciples, they weren't too keen on these kids, because I think in the disciples' mind, they were disrespectful of who Jesus was, and they didn't really qualify to be there with him. But this man, I would imagine, was very highly rated in the disciples' minds, He was a religious man. He came up to Jesus, and he fell on his knees, something religious people do. And his question was an intelligent question. It was a good question. And uh, he was a religious person as far as he said he had done all these commands. And so in their mind, they were thinking, Jesus, this man is highly qualified to be a disciple. Boy, this is the guy we want in our church. And Jesus responds to him. He says, well, you know, what about the commands? And he says, uh, you know the commands. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, give false testimony, all these things. And the guy responds back an astounding statement, so astounding that really I think he was lying. He says, I have kept all of these since I was a child. How many of you had children like that? No ta- even Pastor Childs didn't raise his hand, and he has some good daughters, I tell you. So <laughs> it was an astounding thing. He says, I've kept all of these commands since I was a child, and Jesus doesn't argue with him. He simply goes straight to the point, and he says, well, you know what? You do lack something. I want you to sell what you have and begin to give to the poor, and the Bible says this, that at that point, the man went away sad why did jesus do that why did he say well you know what i am so glad you are just the man we want why don't you just come along and he would just gather him along why didn't he do that you see the kingdom isn't just about god loves you yes he loves you yes he wants people to be saved yes he loves everyone But the kingdom of God is not just a big open place, it's also a very narrow place. Did you know that? You see, God said in His Word, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no man that comes to the Father except through me. In other words, yes, God loves everyone, but He's provided just one one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I, now, this next guy, the story I was going to share with you is Muhammad's story. Muhammad was our watchman. He was our day guard uh, that worked for us, a wonderful Muslim man. Uh, he was faithful and is faithful. He's honest, trustworthy, and really just a dear, dear friend. Muhammad was such a religious man that if you were to see him today, uh, you would see if he if he had on shorts, you would see calluses on his knees and calluses on the tops of his feet. You know how he got those calluses? Praying five times a day, every day. Muhammad, when it came to the call to prayer. Muhammad would pray, and we had a little uh, uh, kind of a a guard station in our compound, just a little small area uh, that was protected from the rain and stuff like that, and uh, if, if it was prayer time, I would see Muhammad, and he would be in there on his rug, bowing down to Allah in prayer. Now, that seems like a qualified person, doesn't it? But you know what I said to him when we were leaving? I took this picture uh, that you're seeing, and then I began talking to him because we, we were just about to leave the country. He said to me, he said, Mr. Jordan, he said, you, you know I love Jesus. I, I do, but I, I must follow Muhammad. And I said, oh, Muhammad, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, Jesus is the only way to heaven, Muhammad. There is no other way. I couldn't come to him and say, oh, that's fine, Muhammad. That's wonderful. Just go on like you are, because no, the only way to salvation is through the cross of Christ. You can't have it two ways. And so we're here today, we want to encourage you, we want to pray for you, we want to thank you, but also we want to challenge you. Keep on Praying, keep on believing, keep on asking God, because there are Muslims today all over Sierra Leone, just like Muhammad. They have heard about Jesus. They know about Jesus. Some have even had the full gospel shared with them, just like Muhammad has. But they're not there yet. They're not there yet. They need you to keep on and keep on and keep on. Because let me tell you, our work is not a work of talent. It's not a work of trying. It's not a work of doing. It is a spiritual work wrought by spiritual power. It's something we can't do on our own. And we need you to continue with us in that work on your knees. Well, Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Opposite of that, when this man walks off with his head down, Peter speaks up and he says this. He says, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. We've left everything to follow you. And if you think about it, this is one of the few times that Peter said something in the Gospels, and it was 100% accurate without exaggeration. They literally had left everything to follow him. You know, Jesus, when he was walking along the seashore, he said this. He said, come and follow me, and they took and They left their boats, and they began to follow him. They had pursued Jesus with all of their life. And then when it came to the the latter part of the New Testament, these apostles would all lay down their lives for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. And friend, let me tell you, if you have encountered Jesus in the way I've encountered him, then this same thing has happened in your life. At some point, you see, all true Christians will face a a, a fork in the road. And they will have to say, if I follow Christ, yes, I am going to pay this cost regardless of whether that's saying no to a job opportunity, regardless of whether that's putting your money in the offering each week, tithing when it's really a struggle to pay that tithe, whether it's saying to someone, you know what, I love you, I care about you, but I'm not going to date you, I'm not going to marry you, and we can't continue this relationship as it is. Regardless of where it happens and how it happens, every true Christian will pay a cost. Some of you guys have been Christians for years and years. Have you thought back how much money you have given to the kingdom of God? I mean, that's exciting. And you know, there are people in the world would look at you and say, are you crazy? Look at the thousands and thousands. You could have spent all that on yourself. You could have bought a new boat. You could have bought a new car. But somewhere you had an encounter with Christ that changed you forever. And all of a sudden the trajectory of your life went on a way different path than it ever would have on your own. And that same thing happens in Sierra Leone. As we share the gospel, as we teach and as we train, as God raises up ministers, all of a sudden they really begin to deeply encounter Christ as they've never encountered Him before. And all of a sudden their life becomes truly sold out to the gospel. I want to share with you one guy that that particularly happened with. Our next story is with Pastor YY. Pastor YY is a dear friend. Friend of mine. Uh, and and uh, I've got a picture of him and myself there. Those aren't stains on our shirt, that's sweat. So if you if you want to come and cleanse your pores, come to Sierra Leone and we can help you with that. Uh, but uh, Pastor YYZ was in our Bible school some years ago. And uh, as he our Bible school at that time was located in the capital city where there's most of the time you get electricity. It's easier to get to water, all of these things. There's easier jobs. And he had met his wife there in the city. After he finished the Bible school, he told his wife, he said, you know what, God wants us to go back to where I came from. Where did he come from? Well, the next slide will show you. He came from Bonth Island, Bonth Island is an area far down in the southwest, and it takes from Freetown, where we, where we lived in the previous term, it take about five and a half hours of driving just to get down there. And then once you get uh, to the river's edge, then you have to take a riverboat about an hour and a half down to get to the island. And this island is a very isolated area. And so YY told his wife, he said, I want to go back to Bonth Island and we're going to plant a church. She wasn't excited. She told him, you need to pray about that some more. <laughs> but you know what? They did it anyway. They went down, and they, when they got there, they discovered, actually, there were a couple of churches. There was a Catholic church, and there was a Methodist church on the island in addition to the various mosques. It's a large island. And so he went to the tribal chiefs and he said, hey, I need some land. I'm going to plant a church. And they began to talk about it. And and as they began to talk, they they said, wait a minute. You're not going to plant a church on this island. He said, well, why not? You've allowed Christians on the island. They said, no, you're Pentecostal. We don't want any Pentecostals on this island. And so Pastor YY he said, okay. And he went to his home, and he began to share the gospel with his neighbors, began to witness, win souls and win souls and win souls. And as he won those souls, they began to meet at his house for prayer. And the tribal council found out about it, and they told him, they said, what are we doing? You, what are you doing? We told you, you can't plant a church on this island. He said, well, you didn't say I couldn't win my neighbors to Christ. And so they began meeting at his house, and they're praying together, praying together. The tribal council found out they threatened to arrest him, told him, they said, you can't be meeting for prayer anymore. So he told his people, he said, guys who can't meet for prayer in the daytime, we're going to have to meet after midnight for prayer. So that's what they would do. After midnight, they began coming out of his house, and they would pray, and they would pray, and they would pray. Well, people began to find out that they were meeting at, after midnight. Someone reported him to the tribal council. At that point, they threatened to arrest Pastor YY. And he looked at him, and he said this, and you, you would just have to know him. He's such a bold but a sweet man full of joy. He said, haven't you guys ever read about Moses and Pharaoh and the children of Israel? God's going to change your heart. You're going to give me land, and I'm going to plant a church. Well, look at the next slide. That's Pastor YY's church. Amen. Aren't you glad God is faithful? We were out there. He's planted that church. They're in the process of painting it when we took that picture, but uh, he has planted two more churches. He's got a little young uh, pastoral training team, and we work with that team. We've helped him to plant two more churches, and he's got several more he wants to plant, and basically, we've got kind of a partnership going with this guy, and we go down, we help him with his teaching, with his training, we'll work with him for a week or so, and then we help him in the church planting, and so we've got an area, one particular village right now called Dibia, and in Dibia. The, the uh, tribal chief, or, or rather the chief in Dibia is a Muslim man, but he has given us property and told us, we want you to come plant an Assemblies of God church here in the village of Dibia. And so that is waiting for us. Matter of fact, Pastor Y. sent me a message the other day on WhatsApp. He said, now, when are you coming back? I said, well, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be August. He said, brother, that's too late. We need you here. We need you here. And so believe God with us. You know, God is using people just like Him. And it's through you we get to invest in Him and in His training, in His team. Well, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 34. I want to preach just a little bit more and then I'm going to pray for you guys. Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 34. They're continuing on their way. They've had encountered the children. They've encountered the, the, the rich young ruler. And then uh, Jesus turns and he looks at them because they're going up to Jerusalem. And he pulls the 12 aside and he says in verse 33, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, hand him over to the Gentiles, and he will mock him, spit on him, flog him. And kill him, and three days later, he will rise again. You know, of all of the stories, I love the stories of the Bible. I do. I, I I just I could sit and just go through the stories and retell the stories of the Bible again and again and again. But you know, of all the stories, this is the story. You see, if this story weren't there, none of the other stories would matter. This story is the story that makes all the others work. Because it's the story of Jesus and the cross. You know, when I came to Him, it it reminds me of an old, old hymn. I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad. And he took my sins away. And you know, there are people, maybe even here today, full of sadness, hopelessness, discouragement, bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, doubt, troubled over the past, troubled about the future people in this community right around us that are in this very situation. And what God does is this. He doesn't just try to improve your story a little bit. See, He could do that. You know, why don't you just start acting better? Why don't you go to church? Be a better person. Well, you know, that really doesn't work. It just makes you a little more religious. Makes you nicer, but that's about it. What he does is he actually takes his pen. And his pen isn't filled with ink. His pen is with the blood of Christ. And what he does is he writes a new story. In the place of all of that grief, he writes joy. In the place of heartache, he writes peace. In the place of unforgiveness, he writes forgiveness. In the place of sadness, he writes joy. God writes a new story on the hearts and lives of people. This morning, I I was telling Pastor Childs, I had something that never happened. I've had... A couple of times visions, but I, I really had a vision this morning, and I saw in my mind Jesus going through, you know, as you read, just like our brother spoke about in the New Testament, he, he goes through and he lays hands on people, and he heals people of these different things in the New Testament, and I was seeing that in my mind, and then I saw myself. I was just, I was sitting at Pastor Child's house and sitting at the coffee table and, and, and praying, and I saw myself, and I saw Jesus place his hand on my head. And speaking those words of healing in my life, and I remembered what I was like before I came to Christ. I was a young man without hope, without God in this world. And he spoke into my life. And I want to encourage you today, two things before I'm done. I guess maybe three. He wants to speak into the lives of people in Sierra Leone, and that's why we're going. And then He wants to speak into your life. And then He wants to speak into the lives of people here in Mesquite and the East Dallas area. He wants to use you to speak into their lives. That's what he wants. And that's what we're believing God for today. God wants to write some new stories. He wants to write some new stories. You say, does it really work? Well, let me finish the story of Abubakar. You know, We had left him that day after I prayed for him, and we drove back to my house, which was about three and a half hours away. Sometime later, I told Joanne, I said, hey, I want to go by and check on Abubakar one more time. So we drove by. Uh, his house and I stopped at the church and and got out to walk over to his house and as I did that I got out of the truck and and uh, the the pastor the African pastor happened to be outside at that time and when he saw me he his face was was downcast you could tell something was wrong I got out of the truck and I said hey brother what's wrong and he said oh brother Jordan he said Abubakar has died he said, oh, my goodness, you're kidding. He said, no, we, we found him dead. And then he smiled a big smile, and he said, but you know what? Just a couple of days before he died, he came over to my house, and he knocked on the door. He said, Pastor, will you pray with me? I think I'm ready to become a Christian. My friend, that person you've been praying for, you've been believing God for, God can give the miracle that you're believing for, and He can set them free. You may not know what to do, you may not know what to say, but God can do the work. And even in your own life, if you're here today and you need God to speak into your life and to change your life, He can do that same thing today. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And my friend, he truly is the life. And he will give that life to you, and he wants to give it to all this area, Mesquite and Forney. And he wants to use you. I'm going to have my wife come up, and we're going to pray for you. Before we turn it back to Pastor Childs, I just want to take just a couple of minutes And I want to invite you to be prayed for. Maybe you're thinking of someone that you really need to share the gospel with. Maybe you're even scared to share it with them. Maybe they're a Muslim. Maybe they're from whatever background. Who knows? But you know you need to share the gospel with them. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe God is calling you to be a missionary You don't know what it's going to look like, but maybe you feel like God has called you to do that. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe, God, for you that you're going to reach this mesquite area like has never been done before. So let me just pray for you, and then I'm going to invite whoever wants to come up. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would just strengthen this congregation, God. And, Lord, if there is one here, Lord, that has not met you, that truly their life has not been changed, God, I pray that they would receive this gospel today. And, Lord, that they would be set free from sin in the name of Jesus, God. And I pray, God, that you would use them in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? If you want to be prayed for, for any of the things I mention, please come up. We're going to take just a short time. I don't want to take a long time, but I want to pray for you because I want to believe God for you. Friend, He will use you. He will do it. He will do it. Amen. We're just going to start praying for people. You come as you wish.